Welcome back to Podcast 33 of 2023. I'm your host, Kiev O'Neill. You can follow me on Twitter at OBKiev. Follow us at The Osbreakers. Follow us on social media slash The Osbreakers. This episode is being brought to you by Betfred Sports. For 250 bucks worth of free bets, please visit Betfred. Use the promo code ODDS23. Terms, conditions, and location apply. If you'd like to support The Osbreakers and benefit from our plays, please visit theosbreakers.com. Click shop and become a member. Pick any for winning cappers to get their premium plays for line moves. You can also support us on patreon.com. And if nothing else, please visit the Osbreakers and become a free picks and telegram subscriber. We have a great show for you today. Going to do a little bit of everything, my friends. I am going solo. I'm going to talk about the NFL, the draft in the wake of, well, the schedule's coming out Thursday, correct? Recording this on Wednesday, but by the time you get this podcast, it will be Thursday. So, going to talk a little bit about the draft briefly. I'm going to touch on every team, just give you quick thoughts. You know, nothing too long, so you can kind of, you know, gauge on if you think a team improved from the draft. Now, free agency is obviously a huge thing, and that will be broken down during our NFL previews, which actually start next week per division. But right now, I'm just going to talk a little bit about what my feelings are on how these teams in the draft. And then I'm going to talk a little college football for the first time in 2023. Well, since the championship game anyway. And uh, I already made a play. I actually made two plays, but I'm going to give you one of them out. Uh, the other ones were reserved for premium subscribers. And if you want to obviously engage in our football season win totals, we were 6-2-1 and one last year in NFL season win totals. Our NFL packages are now up at the oddsbreakers.com. So check that out so you can stay ahead of some of these line moves that are definitely coming. Finally, at the end, going to get into a little UFC on ESPN. Jorginho Rosenstrike versus Jailton Almeida. That's a pretty fun main event right there. And uh, there's a couple fights on the main card that I might be investing in. I'm going to give you one play for sure. I'm just going to break down a few of these fights on the main card for your sports betting and gambling pleasures this weekend. Before I get into all that, I want to talk quickly about the Derby Lots of main scratches in the Derby. Even the favorite Forte was scratched. And it just kind of made for a crazy card here at the end. And, you know, you start hearing people talk about the Derby on Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Way too early to do that, uh, in my opinion. I had to do mine on Thursday because you can get the show on Friday. And obviously, I was in Vegas over the weekend. So. Uh want to give a huge shout out for Marco for calling out Mage. He's like, if you like Forte, why would you not like Mage? Made total sense to me. And Mage ends up winning the Derby with two fills behind, as well as Angel Vampire, which was my favorite, running in third. I hit a nice exacta box, uh, being that Mage was 17 to 1. And I forgot what two fills was. It definitely paid a good amount, so I was really happy to hit that. But what I was even happier about is the party Derek Stevens threw at the Circa, the Derby Day party at the Legacy Club, just a fantastic experience. Done just like you'd expect Derek Stevens to do it. <laughs> just massive bouquets of flowers, lots of professional photographers there, cameras just going on. It was amazing. The women loved it. The men felt great. The mint juleps were just absolutely delicious. Just 100% all class over at the Circa and the way Derek Stevens does things. That was my highlight of my whole weekend in Vegas. Had a blast with just a great group of 14 people. It was for a friend's 40th birthday uh, before he was moving out to the Philippines for a few years, being deployed. Uh, he's in the National Guard. Wanted to wish him uh, a nice goodbye, and I think we did a pretty good job 
uh, the whole weekend. Not to mention his elbow was pretty good uh, throwing those craps. And so uh, just became an amazing weekend. Got back super late on Sunday. And man, that was a lot of catching up to do when I finally got everything together on Monday morning. But all in all, it was a great weekend. And let's see if we can bring some of that momentum into this weekend here, starting with some of the NFL. All right, going to go in alphabetical order, kind of like how Pro Football Focus does it. Actually, I do like their article, how they break down the draft, show all the picks, give a few thoughts on each one. And uh, it's one of the things that go by when I'm doing my preseason previews. But starting with the Arizona Cardinals, I thought they had an amazing draft, you know, at least a B plus. I'm a little tougher on grades than other people, but uh, I love the Paris Johnson trade down and trade back up i mean they gained a bunch of picks for it they got two third rounders this year two fifth rounders uh just uh, were able to kind of rob the texans a little bit i think they might even got one for next year i have to double check that but uh, they needed trenches you know and why not go with trenches they went with an edge rusher uh with their round two pick and bj ojulari who could be very good uh that was fantastic garrett williams from uh syracuse the only big question i have uh on their picks is what's the deal with clayton toon now i know he was picked in the fifth round but he doesn't really fit the system that kyler murray can uh excel in right maybe like a dorian thompson robinson would have made more sense if he was available at 139 but the clayton toon makes no sense he's more of a pocket quarterback i know he ran a little bit but it just doesn't seem like a, a fit unless they're seriously going to try to make Kyler Murray a pocket passer, which uh, I would think would work out awful. So good for them. Next is the Atlanta Falcons. And I don't understand the B. John Robinson pick. Now, I know who, how good B. John Robinson is, but running backs really do not move the needle. And you can't afford to pay running backs if they did do well the first two or three years. I think there, there's a stat out there that, over the last 20 years, you know, teams that picked a first round running back, I don't I don't think they won the Super Bowl or something. It was something pretty substantial. Maybe they didn't contribute because Clyde Edwards Hilaire, I know, was picked by the Chiefs and uh he eventually, you know, got that Super Bowl, but he didn't play the whole year really. So, you know, in my opinion, running backs do not move. And I know B. John Robinson might be special, but that was the only thing you could do well was run the ball, the only thing, and then you get a tackle. You know, it's like, is Bergeron from Syracuse for your 38th pick in the round two? Is he supposed to help protect the quarterback? I don't know. I thought your offensive line was okay. Then you went defense a little bit later. So I'm just going to give a C to the Atlanta Falcons for that strange pick. You know, the only thing that they did well with Aguilar and uh, Cordero Patterson was made them look awesome by running the ball, and they go right back to picking that. It absolutely makes no sense. Unreal. The next I'm going to go with the Baltimore Ravens, and did not like their wide receiver pick of Zay Flowers. I'm sure he's a good wide receiver, but you still have Lamar Jackson running the scene, and you just paid a lot of money for him. Um, you, you just signed Odell Beckham, and what happened to Bateman, your pick last year? Why do you just keep going with wide receivers? Do you just think you're so smart that, that you're going to get the edge rushers that are just sleepers in this draft later? I think this defense of the Ravens could be hurting this year. And uh, I, I, they did lose some people. And I am uh, very concerned for the way that this team's going to be. Uh, you know, I know Lamar is special in ways, but I don't know if he's winning playoff games special. You know, this is going to be an interesting team for sure. I'm just going to give them – it's it's hard to doubt the Ravens because they really draft good every year. And guys that I'm looking at now, like Tavius Robinson and uh, Q Blue Kelly from Stanford, these guys could turn out for all you know. So uh, I'm going to just give them a C-plus with a caveat that it could be better than I even suspected. Next is the Buffalo Bills. First round draft pick was Dalton Kincaid from Utah. Made absolutely no sense because they're not massive in throwing to their tight ends, but they also really didn't need a tight end that much with Dawson Knox there. They have Trayvon, or they lost 
their best linebacker in Tremaine Edmonds. And you didn't go with a linebacker? Someone to replace him? You had like one of the top two linebackers at that spot. This made absolutely no sense for me to do them. And then they go with a guard, Osiris Torrance from Florida. A little bit of a reach there. Then, then finally you get a linebacker and Rob... Uh, uh, from Tulane, Dorian Williams, and maybe this guy's amazing because Tulane was actually amazing last year. But you have to remember that Tulane played a bunch of very, very bad offenses. Um, so not 100% sure that this pick's going to end up amazing either. You know? So, I mean, you have a quarterback with Josh Allen who really likes to run the football, and if he uses his legs less, he's not going to be – as effective, in my opinion, because he's just not super accurate like the Mahomeses, the uh, Burrows, you know, the Herberts. So what the Bills did really made no sense to me. I would have beefed up the defense. They got sliced apart a little bit more, improved that pass rush, which they didn't. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, you get to give Buffalo Bills a D for that. Carolina Panthers, first pick Bryce Young. Then they go with Jonathan Mingo, a good receiver from Ole Miss. Edge DJ Johnson from Oregon. You know, uh, Bryce Young was the quarterback, but I didn't like the quarterback class, and he was only my third best quarterback. They only had five picks because they traded all that with the Bears. If Bryce Young fails, I mean, it's going to be a massive failure. And Bryce Young is small. I, I'm not loving what Carolina did. Also don't like their coach and Frank Reich. He seemed a little strange the last few years with uh, the Colts. And maybe maybe that's just not the right way to look at it. Maybe because he was such a good offense coordinator with the Eagles. Was it Peterson or him? Maybe he's just under that horrible Chris Ballard-led franchise. So, yeah, I, I just got to give the Paraline Panthers a, a C- minus at best, even though they got the first pick of the draft in Bryce Young. I'm just not so sure. They have enough pieces there to protect Bryce Young. So very concerned for that man's health coming into this year. Finally, my Chicago Bears is next. And they really cashed in in the draft by getting all those draft picks traded for. And they even traded down from the nine spot with the Eagles. And, you know, everyone's giving them, uh, you know, I guess... I guess you, some people are looking at it two ways. Some people are saying it was a bad idea to not pick Jalen Carter. I'm kind of thinking that was an okay idea because you still got a guy you needed. You know, you, you needed a tackle. You got my best tackle in the draft in Darnell Wright. I thought he was the best tackle. Then you got uh, defensive lineman and Jervon Dexter Sr., which is questionable from Florida. Boomer bust pick. Either going to be a great pick or a bad pick. He was... Kind of boomer bust in Florida, but I guess the man really worked hard at the end. Uh, Tariq Stevenson from Miami, a hard-hitting cornerback. He could turn out really well. And then Zach Pickens, he should have went earlier. Another defensive lineman at the beginning of the third round. And you really needed to boost up your defense. Now, what you ignored was pass rush, so I can only give you a B plus. Now, I don't know if it matters because you just needed so much. If you're the Chicago Bears, you can say, well, I got to get pass rusher later. But there's a few guys like Frank Clark and Jadavian Clowney that you can probably pay to play for a year. But I don't know. I I am concerned for the pass rush for sure. So B-plus from getting all those picks and uh, a couple good ones there up top. Next, the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, Edge, Miles Murphy from Clemson. You know, that's... They do need to get to the quarterback. Their pressure rate has been bad. They haven't been sacking the, as much as they need to, especially in you know the AFC North where Kenny Pickett is and you can get to Sean Watson and maybe Lamar. Just don't let him escape. But yeah, I mean, I'm not. I don't hate the pick. They had a lot of different options to go with. I was hoping for my own fifty to one ticket. They go safety, but they did okay. DJ Turner, a good corner from Michigan, and. The 60th pick and safety Jordan Battle went all the way down to the 95th pick from Alabama. I think this could turn out to be a pretty good draft for them. I'm going to give them a solid B for the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. Cleveland Browns, man, round three, Cedric Tillman from Tennessee. They didn't really have a lot of picks, as you know, because of the Sean Watson trade and all the uh, everything else that they had to do. They got defensive linemen and 
Saki Ika from Baylor. I, I don't know a lot of these guys. I know they did get Dorian Thompson Robinson in round five at pick 140, which what I said earlier, the Cardinals could have got him at number 139. So that was a little strange. But I, the Browns, they didn't really have a lot of picks uh, towards the top, but they did okay with what they had. They did get a tackle from Ohio State and Daywan Jones, so I like that pick. I'm going to give him a C from what they had to work with. Not a ton, but you know we'll see what happens with them. Dallas Cowboys, round one, defensive lineman Mozzie Smith, and they look flustered when the Bills hi- uh, jumped them to get that tight end who doesn't block. I, I don't think that was a bad weight. They've got a different tight end in Luke Schoonmaker who could be maybe just as good as Dalton Kincaid later in the draft. So I thought the Cowboys were fine with that. And Mozzie Smith was a beast at Michigan. So maybe this turns out really well. They got a couple edge rushers, one from Texas, and then they got uh, Villamini Fioco from uh, San Jose State. So I, th- I thought Dallas did pretty good with what they had to work with in the draft. You know, they're picking kind of late, but you know, they, they be honest with you, Jared Jones, them they've been picking pretty well lately. I don't love their schedule though coming up for this year. Not that I know the exact schedule, but I know the teams that they are playing. The Denver Broncos wide receiver Marvin Mims from Oklahoma, linebacker Drew Sanders. This team unfortunately did not have a top pick, but. I mean, they're stuck with Russell Wilson, so they help him out a little bit, I guess, with Marvin Mims. They get a linebacker, they get a cornerback, and they get safety, so they went right to defense after that, which has kind of been their strength last year. They just got to figure out how to score some points, so see if Sean Payton can figure out how to fix this offense. I mean, the good thing is that they're able to hire Joe Lombardi, right, from the Saints, who was pretty much under Sean Payton for 12 years, so... That could be a very good thing for them. Um, Denver Broncos didn't have a lot to work with. Can't give them a ton because of that Russell Wilson trade right now. And they only had a second, third, and another third, and then a sixth. So they traded up at one point in the draft. Probably giving them a C- minus and see how it all turns out. I think they still could be a sleeper if they fix that offense. Detroit Lions. First pick is Jameer Gibbs. And then they use their next pick on linebacker Jack Campbell. Kind of like Jack Campbell. I think I might like Simpson a little bit more, but it's still pretty good picks. I guess they really wanted to get rid of DeAndre Swift, which they did later, dumped him off to the Eagles. So it's kind of like a Robin Peter to pay Paul, but you have a cheaper guy on a rookie contract for longer. It seemed like an early reach. I personally would have preferred keep just getting some really good defensive help and then you know, just pick someone else off the scrap heap because you just signed David Montgomery if you were going to get rid of Swift. You know, there are some guys out there that you could sign. So a little bit of a head-scratcher why they went that direction. They just wanted to keep that offense humming, apparently. Sam Laporta was a nice tight end pick in the round two, so I do like that. Then they got safety Brian Branch at number 45. I got to love this draft just because the top four – even though in not in the right order, they got one of the top two t- linebackers. They got a very good tight end. They got the top safety in the draft and Brian Branch, according to what a lot of people say. This could actually turn out for them. Uh, Hendon Hooker pick was interesting. Are they going to start grooming him throughout the season? I wonder if he could play towards the end in case something happens to Jared Goff. I don't know. But uh, I, I'm going to give Detroit an A- minus for just because they had two first-rounders and two second-rounders, and they, it was really hard to completely screw that up. Number, or next, not number, Green Bay Packers. Packers had a lot of picks. They had four seventh-round picks, two sixth-rounds, two fifth-rounds, a fourth, a third, two seconds, and a first. So definitely from that Aaron Rodgers trade, they got some draft capital. Now, I don't know why they went with Lucas Van Ness from Iowa. I He's a good edge rusher. He was picked a lot higher than most people ranked him. I had him probably in the top six or seven, and there was maybe one, two off the board at the 13th pick. So that was a little bit of a head scratch. I thought they were going to go with a good blocking tight end like 
uh, May from Notre Dame, but instead they got a tight end in the second round with Luke Musgrave from Oregon State. He's a great pass catching tight end. Not sure if he can block all that well. So interesting way to do it. They must have really liked Musgrave. So they decided to go with somebody else and then know they would get Musgrave a little bit later. But, you know, maybe it turns out for them. They did get another pass catcher, Jaden Reed, which was a head scratcher for Michigan State. I had some better receivers by that time. Then they got another tight end in Tucker Craft from South Dakota State. So they went to the uh, FCS for that immediately. Kobe Wooden was an edge from Auburn, and then they got Sean Clifford in round five. Why Sean Clifford? I didn't even have him as draftable myself. He's so far from being an NFL quarterback, and he must have some buddies in the Packers organization or something, some ex-coaches or something, man. I it, So much is a head-scratcher for what happened with the Packers here, but you know we'll see if it works out. I'm going to give the Packers a C-plus for what they did. They, they kind of went out of order here, and I would have done it a little bit differently. Next is the Houston Texans. They got C.J. Stroud, who was my number one quarterback in the draft. They got him at the second pick, and then they got Will Anderson, who was the top pass rusher in this draft, and my number two pass rusher. So, I mean, they did fine with two and three, but then it goes all the way down to pick 62, Juice Scruggs from Penn State, a center, and then they got Nathaniel Dell, wide receiver from Houston, uh, just a bunch of reaches after that. I think they lost just a lot of capital, but they did gain capital earlier. I like C.J. Stroud, so I'm going to give them a B, probably a B plus. I'll move that to a B plus if these two top guys really uh, stand out. So um, we'll see what happens. Everything's subject to change when they actually play football. Now for the Indianapolis Colts. Anthony Richardson was their number for draft pick. One of my losers in the draft. And I was not happy when they picked them. And I thought Chris Ballard should be canned after this year. Uh, Anthony Richardson is not even close to being ready. And the Colts kind of need someone ready this year. It, I, I have no idea why they took a shot with this guy when he probably would just make a better tight end from what we know about him from Florida. So not a fan of that pick. Then they goes cornerback Julius Brents from Kansas State. Wide receiver Josh Downs from North Carolina. Then they go all the way down to 106. You know, Blake Freeland from BYU, a tackle. Uh, just a bunch of, we'll see what happens. I thought that they should have, Try, I, well, the Texans clearly were never trying to trade down. But maybe you trade down yourself and get a different quarterback like a Hendon Hooker or somebody else. I mean, you do have the Gardner Minshew running things right now, so I think that could have worked out. But Anthony Richardson was my seventh best quarterback in this draft, and I am seriously concerned for this pick. Um, concerned for this team coming into this year might be the end for Chris Ballard. I give them a D minus for this draft. Fucking bullshit. Next is the Jacksonville Jaguars picking 27th tackle Anton Harrison from Oklahoma. I like drafting trenches. He is probably around a borderline two, maybe, but second round, but take him there, I guess. Tight end. Brenton Strange, which was a little bit of a strange pick late in round two. Tank Bisbee from Auburn. They got a running back there. Ventrell Miller from Florida, a linebacker. Uh, Tyler Lacey, a pretty good edge rusher from uh, Oklahoma State. So I don't hate that late round four pick in uh, edge Tyler Lacey. And Yasir Abdullah from Louisville was the next edge they got right after that. So Jacksonville kind of had a plethora of riches coming in. They could have really done anything in this situation. So they go trenches to, you know, obviously protect their quarterback, which is a good thing. Yeah, I, I don't I don't mind it at all. I give them a B minus for what they did. You know, uh, not a bunch of big names, but we'll see if they turn out. And they had a ton of picks too. Uh, two round fivers, three round sixers, three round sevens. We can get just one of those guys that were picked late to perform elite. It was a pretty good job. Jacksonville to Kansas City. 
Kansas City got edge Felix Anudike Uzoma, who I did like as an edge rusher. He was fantastic at Kansas State. I do like that pick. Uh, number two, wide receiver Rasheed Rice from SMU. Interesting pick, but Mahomes can turn anybody into a superstar, I guess. I went to win wide receiver there, but who knows? Tackle Wenya Morris from Oklahoma. They better beef up that offensive line a little bit. They just signed somebody recently off waivers, too, uh, after they lost to Orlando Brown. Uh, it's really hard to fade Kansas City on what they're doing because when you have Mahomes and Kelsey, a bunch of pretty good players, it, it, it doesn't seem to matter so much for them. So they just have the star power, and that's what everybody loves in the NFL, and the NFL loves it too. So they're always protected by that. Uh, we'll give Kansas City a B for that draft. The Las Vegas Raiders edge Tyree Wilson at the top, which was a good edge player. A lot of people thought Devon Weatherspoon was going to uh, get to the Raiders, but he was picked much quicker, as we all know, by Seattle. But yeah, it was a good pick. I thought, you know, they could use an edge rusher there, but I really like who they got in the second round, you know, which is the tight end, Michael Meyer. I don't want to call him May before, but Michael Meyer is what I meant to say. Uh, he is fantastic, as we all know, and uh, he was my top tight end in the draft, so I can't hate that. Can't hate Byron Young from Alabama as a defensive lineman. That could really turn out for you. So I thought they had a very good draft. Aiden O'Connell was a little interesting a little bit later, a, a quarterback. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Let's see if he develops into a pro. He was in such a college type system. Uh, give the Raiders a B plus. Los Angeles Chargers, round one wide receiver Quentin Johnson from TCU. And so they got tall wide receiver. Then they got Edge Tuli Pulatu. I always say his name wrong, from USC. Uh, then round three, linebacker Daya Henley from Washington State. Uh, wide receiver Darius Davis from TCU later. So they got two TCU wide receivers. So apparently they think TCU wide receivers are amazing. So they're trying to turn the Chargers into TCU. Unreal. I much would rather prefer Georgia myself, but I guess we'll take TCU. Yeah, I mean, I thought that. Pick and receiver was too early for them. Their defense really needed some work. Uh, they're also what's going on with their running backs. Are, are they trading Eckler? <laughs> you know, I thought the Chargers could have drafted a running back if they were going to trade Eckler, or Eckler could sit out too. So that's got to be a big pain uh, for them dealing with that. But you know, they also know that running backs aren't worth a ton in the first round anyway. So smart to not draft one. Also, drafting receiver is not my favorite thing, but I thought their defense needed a little bit of work against the run, and they did not fix that, in my opinion. So I'm going to only give them a C-. minus. The L.A. Rams, they had a lot of picks. Round two, Steve Avilia from TCU, uh, because they obviously gave that up to, I think, the Lions for golf. Actually, they gave golf and they got Stafford, that's what I'm trying to say. Feels like forever ago. Edge Byron Young from Tennessee. You had a defensive line for round three, Kobe Turner from Wake Forest. Stetson Bennett they picked in the fourth round. What an early little gamble that was. <laughs> Stetson's small, man. He's like he's small like Bryce Young, but he was more of a winner, I guess. Probably extremely accurate. So who knows, man? I, I thought it was a little early to get him, but I don't know. It's not like Stafford can last all that long there. So um I really thought they were going to maybe sign, re-sign Baker Mayfield, but that never happened either, so that was interesting. Uh, Miami Dolphins, they literally only had four picks in the draft. Cam Smith, they got from South Carolina, corner in round two. Round three, running back Devon Achain from Texas A&M. Corner and running back, that's interesting. Tight end Elijah Higgins from Stanford and tackle Ryan Hayes from Michigan. I hope the tackle turns out. Apparently, he was one of the lower-rated tackles, but, man, you don't have a quarterback, and uh, I just think that there's so many possibilities that Tua can be injured this season or concussed. I do not like what the Miami Dolphins did in this draft, and they only had four picks, so I have to downgrade them a little bit for that too. D-minus for the Miami Dolphins. The Minnesota Vikings, one of the worst defenses in the league, yet they just kept winning games by one point. All year, the biggest Pythagorean difference, if you remember from that show. Jordan Addison, a wide receiver, is your first pick. 
Then he went with Makai Blackman from USC. Now, he was a pretty good corner, I guess, ranked-wise. But, I mean, the dude, USC's defense was terrible last year. Hopefully, he turns out. Then you got Jay Ward from LSU, who might be better in a later pick. The Vikings at least went to defense after that. But, man, I, I, don't, I don't know if they got the the quality that they could have gotten in the round one rather than picking a wide receiver. Who cares if Thielen's gone when you didn't throw to him all that much? Jefferson's still going to get all the balls there. I I don't know. It's Are you really going to try to work another guy and make the other guy unhappy? Doesn't make a ton of sense to me the way they did things. I'm going to give them a D plus. The Patriots. Cornerback Christian Gonzalez from Oregon. Uh he was a good player, and uh, he, his measurables are fantastic. He got better as the season went on. He didn't start out great, but uh, he, as far as speed and athletic ability, he was the top corner out of the top three anyway. So I'm okay with that pick. Uh, edge Keon White from Georgia Tech. He was actually a highly ranked edge, and he fell farther than people expected. Safety Marte Mapu from Sacramento State was a totally interesting pick. Sacramento State, right? But uh, there you go. Now, the Patriots had a ton of picks. And you know a guy like Belichick's going to do his homework. So there's a bunch of no-names here that could turn out to a bunch of somebodies here. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 picks in the uh, draft. So uh, I'm going to say the Patriots definitely get a B to a B plus. I'll Let's say a B plus for the New England Patriots. The New Orleans Saints. Defensive line, Brian Breesey from Clemson. I liked him. He's like a 3-4, a, a five-technique type guy, in my opinion. Uh, he's going to be fantastic, I think, in the next level. Edge, Isaiah Foskey from Notre Dame, who had amazing measurables himself. Love that pick, too. Then they went to Kendry Miller, the running back from TCU. Pretty good running back. I guess they got to wonder if... Uh, Kamara is getting old, right? If Kamara is getting too old, that's possible. Then they got a tackle from Old Dominion. Now, the problem with the Saints, I would give them above a B if they would have fixed that offensive line mistake they made last year, but they didn't seem to do that until the fourth round, and we'll see if this kid from Old Dominion, Nick Seldavere, is going to be any good, but it's all going to matter about that. But I'll tell you this, they're round four. I, I, I should have actually not even given them the grade yet. Jay Kaner was a sleeper of mine as far as quarterbacks, and he could be fantastic in the next level. Uh, he might be the guy starting later in the season instead of uh, Derek Carr. Seriously, I like Jay Kaner. And uh, this is going to be probably t- turn out to be a good draft if he turns out. So let's give them a B plus. Forget what I said earlier. We're going to give them a B plus even though they took a shot late at an offensive tackle. The New York Giants, cornerback Deontay Banks from Maryland. Pretty good corner. Uh, Maryland wasn't a good team, but you know his he measured out really well at the combine and everywhere else. Then center, John Michael Schmitz from Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota had a pretty good blocking offensive scheme the last few years. Uh, wide receiver Jalen Hyatt, which was a higher-ranked Receiver for me, I actually thought Hyatt was the safest pick in the draft. Personally, a lot of people didn't think that, but he has the speed and was fantastic. I like what the Giants did. Uh, they could be a dangerous team, but they also had a lot of luck come their way last year, and I still think there's some holes on defense that they need to uh, fix. I, I don't love the linebackers for the Giants, and uh, we'll see how that all turns out next year. We'll give them a B. The New York Jets. Edge rusher Will McDonald, number 15. I thought that was a little too early for old Will McDonald. Uh, center Joe Tipman from Wisconsin, my Badgers. I loved that pick because Tipman was just a good leader on that team, and he graded out really well. So, you know, Tipman stopped a lot of inside pressure last year. I think the pressure mostly came from the outside on quarterbacks. So I, I like that pick. I like the offensive tackle in Carter Warren from Pittsburgh, and then they – uh, got another kid from Pittsburgh, the the running back who did really well, Israel Abaniconda. Now, remember, they swapped that first-round pick with the Packers, and they're supposed to get a first or a second next year, depending upon how much Rodgers plays. Oh, I think that that's going to end up being a first, but 
I mean, it's all up to Rodgers here to make this draft worth it for them. So they took a chance. They got a great quarterback, or one that hopefully will stick around for a while. They got their defense coordinator, sorry, offense coordinator that Rodgers worked with in Nathaniel Hackett for so long. This could turn out to be a very good draft for them. We'll give them a B plus. The Philadelphia Eagles. Jalen Carter from Georgia. Then they go edge Nolan Smith, who is probably my second best edge rusher from Georgia. Then they go offensive tackler Tyler Steen from Alabama. Talk about SEC. Then they go with a good safety, Sidney Brown from Illinois. Then cornerback Khalid Ringo from Georgia. Then they trade for DeAndre Smith. They got a lot of players from Georgia, but I don't hate that. I don't hate that at all. I think the Eagles had a lot to play with, and they made some good moves. I don't like the fact that they lost TJ Edwards to uh, the Bears, but they do still have N'Kobe Dean, their pick from last year. And I think they did pretty good. <laughs> A- minus for them. I, I, I would like to see another linebacker, but they're probably my highest draft ranking out of anybody as an A- minus for the uh, Philadelphia Eagles, to be honest with you. And I, it sucks because I'm really agreeing with everybody else i guess but uh, uh sometimes you have to if you believe it and there's nothing wrong with picking a bunch of kids that won two national championships and we're all five-star recruits from georgia this is what's great about sports this is what the greatest thing about sports is you play to win the game all right next the pittsburgh steelers offense tackle broderick jones from georgia i really like that pick then they got Joey Porter from Penn State in round two. Like that pick, too, because I graded him as a round one. Then they get the Bears, or sorry, the Bears, the Badgers defensive lineman, Keanu Benton, who I thought was right under Jalen Carter, if anything. <laughs> I mean, I know I said in my mock draft I had him number one, but that was only because Carter got in trouble. I mean, if he, if, if, if Carter didn't get in trouble, he'd be number one, but geez. I mean, this was a fantastic first three picks. And then they get another uh, tight end from Georgia, Darnell Washington, who I said, maybe he's just all that good and Burton just got all the love, but he still could be awesome. Then they got edge rusher Nick Herbig, who was really good at Wisconsin. This is another great draft I think the Steelers had. And just they just bring it every single year, you know. This is probably the sleeper when everybody's talking about the Bengals everybody's talking about the Ravens. Everyone's talking about Deshaun Watson. This is probably your sleeper right here to win the AFC North. I'm going to give Pittsburgh Steelers an A- minus as well. If this team was able to replace a linebacker that they lost, Devin Bush, then this draft would have probably been an A, but man, real close to what the Eagles are doing. Looks like the state of Pennsylvania had the best draft, in my opinion. San Francisco 49ers. They didn't have a pick till round three, if you remember, but they gave up for that quarterback that who's not going to play in Trey Lance. Round three, uh, they got a safety in Jair Brown from Penn State. Kicker, then Jake Moody from Michigan. What are you doing picking a kicker that early? It makes no sense to me. I thought that was stupid, and a lot of people, well, mostly San Francisco fans, came to defend it, but no, I'd, I'd completely disagree with that. Uh, then they got tight end Cameron Latu from Alabama. Now, I do like that pick. Cameron Latu is fantastic, but they also have an awesome tight end there in Kittle. Uh, Daryl Lutel Jr. from South Alabama, a cornerback. And it kind of just goes to a bunch of guys that you really haven't heard of as much. Ronnie Bell, I guess you can. I've heard of him from Michigan. And uh, linebacker Jalen Graham late from Purdue. So they did decent deep in the draft, but just not a lot of picks. I can only give them a C- minus here because of what they had to give up here for a guy that they're really not playing. Um, Seattle Seahawks, cornerback Devin Witherspoon. I love that pick. And a lot of people picked it, predicted Jalen Carter. Every single mock did that. But the main guy, one of the guys that knows the team so well, said, no, it's definitely not going to be him. And I should have listened to him instead of all the mocks and just uh, predicted that Seattle would pick anybody else but a defensive lineman, um, I don't know what the I, – I see, I just didn't know it would be Devin Witherspoon, but, I mean, he, he, I think he was one of the best players in the draft, so maybe I should have took a shot at that. I don't like their second pick in wide receiver Jackson Smith in the jig, but because I just don't like receivers in the first round, and Seattle just has a ton of receivers to feed. Now, it probably marks the end 
of the Tyler Lockett era soon, but Smith the Jigba was the most hype guy, just didn't play as much as I liked, and he was injured too often for my taste. I like the edge Derek Hall from Auburn after that. Then they got a pretty good running back in Zach Charbonnet, which throws out a lot of dynasty fantasy drafts because everyone thought they struck gold with Walker last year. Now you got to handcuff him with Charbonnet. Oh, man, that's that's an interesting pick, too, from Seattle. I thought they could have went different there. Yeah, B-minus for Seattle. The Tampa Bay Bucks. In round one, they picked Kalijah Cansey from Pittsburgh. Now, I thought he was fantastic. He wasn't ranked in most uh, rankings quite that high. But, I mean, if you look at his production, he certainly was. What he did in Pittsburgh, he was just in the ACC, I guess. Then they went with a tackle from North Dakota State and Cody Mouch. I'm not so sure about that. Then an edge rusher from Louisville, Yaya Diaby. Yeah, it kind of gets bad after that, in my opinion. I don't think the Bucs did all that well, especially when you lose you know, the greatest quarterback of all time here. And uh, now you're playing with either Baker Mayfield or Trask, Kyle Trask. It's, what's going on with the Tampa Bay Bucs, man? I can't imagine this has got to be looked at as a positive year from their fans. Now, I, I traded off for the Super Bowl. It's like, that's okay. It's like... Super Bowl still sticks in your head, but yeah, Baker Mayfield, Kyle Trask, not not too excited about that. Uh, did not get a quarterback later in this draft either. Next, we're going with the Tennessee Titans. Offensive tackle, Peter Skoronsky from Northwestern. That was their first pick. And people are like, well, they're going to get Will Levis and trade up. Not only did they not trade up, they waited to the second round and got Will Levis. Now, does that bode a lot of confidence that like you're the only team that likes this, so you're willing to wait to the second round for Will Levis? It makes no sense. And a lot of mock drafts and people had Peter Skoronsky as the best offensive tackle or top two. I don't think I even had him in my top five. As far as offensive tackle, you know, he has short arms. He went to a Northwestern. It was a terrible team. He seems like a really good kid, though, and maybe maybe I'm wrong about him. I think he's more of a guard myself. I, I wasn't a big fan of the pick. I know he did play guard. I don't like also Will Levis. I said he was the Mitch Trubisky of this podcast, and I'm going to stick with that. I think the Titans did a terrible job. Um, I guess Tyja Spears from Tulane might end up starting if they get rid of Derrick Henry. So just a lot of stuff doesn't make sense of what they're doing. They pissed off Tannehill. <laughs> you know, I, I'm not even sure he's going to finish the year. You know, it's just going to be ugly coming in. This is probably a fade team uh, coming in. Uh, I'm wondering if everybody else catches on and you don't have the time. I'll be looking at this one first when the season win totals come out tomorrow. D minus for them. Washington Commanders. They go with the cornerback, Emmanuel Forbes from Mississippi State. Then they go with another quarterback, and Jartavius Martin from Illinois. Then they go with center, Ricky Stromberg from Arkansas. I, mean, I like Forbes from Mississippi State, and Martin was the second best, well, the other guy, let's just say, in Illinois. But, you know, interesting picks after that. You got your uh, another tackle from Utah who could turn out. K.J. Henry, a edge rusher from Clemson that wasn't ranked as high as the other couple defensive linemen there. Chris Rodriguez, a running back from Kentucky. I, I don't, I'm not too happy with what the commanders did personally. Also, they don't sign Young for his fifth-year rookie deal. It's like you spent so much to get him. I know he was injured and stuff, but that happens, and now you're not picking up his fifth-year option. That, that makes no sense to me, really. I, I, I'm not sure why you did that. Um I know Sweat's pretty good, but he's I don't think he's got as much top side as Young. So I'm going to give them a C-minus here for the Commanders. And that is your NFL draft. Hopefully, you got something from it. If you have any questions or you want to disagree with something I said, tweet us at the Ozbreakers. Let's move into some college football season win totals that just came out on DraftKings. All right. Well, before I give you our first season win total of the year. I want to tell you that there is places to get good information. Um, one's actually been out since February, and that's the first place I go to take a look. Now, this is usually pretty different. Well, not not everybody's different. Some is still spot on here from Bill Conley here, but he does returning production 
for 2023 and people will go into the transfer portal and then sometimes they come right back on their same team. Now, it, just because somebody goes in the transfer portal, I think I saw something like 1,600 kids were in the transfer portal, about 800 selected teams. It doesn't mean you're good. There's a lot of kids that just couldn't play because they couldn't be in the position and they had a sour attitude and thought they were the best and they really weren't and they were going to try to transfer somewhere else and they're still in the portal because nobody's offering them. You get a lot of that as well. But at least on this ESPN article from Bill Conley, you see the return in production for FBS teams for 2023. Florida State's actually up top, and they're ranked already in the top 10. Kansas is number two, who's highly ranked, and that was our darling last year to go over their season win total. And I kind of had a sprinkle on them to win the Big 12, which they couldn't. But still, FAU... Wyoming, Michigan, believe it or not, fifth in returning production. So Michigan's going to be a force again. UConn's pretty high up there. Uh, Texas A&M, Boston College, Missouri, and then Temple. Uh, If you want to look at the end of these, the worst returning production, you have to factor that in too. Kent State was the worst. Georgia State was next. App State was next. Uh, Interesting for App State to lose all those people. Um, ECU was definitely uh, the next one at 130. East Carolina, Stanford, number 129. They're always in flux, especially when they lost their coach now. Texas State, 128. Uh, UAB, 127. Tulsa, 126. Alabama, 125. Cincinnati, 124. So some pretty big names up there with Alabama and what Cincinnati has done. But obviously Luke Fickle was at Cincinnati, and he kind of moved on. So you might see a completely different Cincinnati Bearcat team coming into this year if you other ones you should mention tcu's 118th for everything they lost only rank 130th on offense with max duggan leaving and uh 71st or 40th on defense they actually were able to return some defense at least but that's a pretty big name pittsburgh also at 119 losing a bunch of guys as well now the team that i took that I'm going to give out to you is in the ACC, and it's the Boston College Eagles. I mentioned them already. They're eighth in returning production. So a couple things about them. Now, obviously, the quarterback left, who was very underwhelming in Phil Yurkovic, right? So he's gone. Emmett Moorhead was the next quarterback as a freshman, and he actually did kind of the same thing as Phil Yurkovic. Both had 59% completion percentage um he threw less passes but uh he had 11 touchdowns six interception Yurkovich or Jerkovic they say I've seen this name pronounced so many different ways was 11 TDs eight interceptions so that was bad you know neither of these quarterbacks were great and they both had the same rating but at least the one that's a freshman is staying you know with all those returning players now Another good thing about Boston College is their coach, Jeff Halfley, in 2021 and 2022 had signing classes that had the best ranking in their program history, both in the top 40. That's since rankings began in 2006. So that's some good things to look at when they have high returning production. The next thing you want to look at is the schedule. You know, where are these wins going to come from? Five and a half is the number what we got to get over. Northern Illinois, that's their first game at home. That should be a win. Holy Cross, that's their second game at home. That should be a win. Florida State should be a definite loss here, right? One of the best teams in the country, so we'd think. They'll be trying, though. Then they'll go to Louisville, who is under massive transition themselves, losing Malik Willis, uh, or sorry, Malik Cunningham. And that should be interesting. Louisville only ranks 99th in returning production, which is key. And then you have Virginia at home, who's been a train wreck for all these years. So I'm thinking you can get three wins here, Northern Illinois, Holy Cross, and Virginia. And then at Army. Now, Army can be a very testy team, hit you in the mouth, option team, triple option, as you know, but they're still a lower class team here. Maybe they pull off a win there. At Georgia Tech's always a train wreck. Uh, They're a little bit better this year because they have a better coach, but we'll see about that. But then they get their revenge game against UConn at home. So you have at least four wins here 
after UConn, maybe six. You get Virginia, you get Holy Cross, you get Northern Illinois, Louisville. You could be at six at UConn. But in case you only have four, you still got at Syracuse who lost a lot of people. You have Virginia Tech at home, which was a train wreck last year, at Pittsburgh, and then Miami at home. Pittsburgh lost a lot of guys. So you have a definite shot here of redeeming yourself. And one thing that we can't forget about is the incentive to be bowl eligible. That is six wins. So coaches will do whatever possible to be bowl eligible, see if they're stuck at five wins at Syracuse. They're going to win one of those games against Virginia Tech at Pittsburgh against Miami. I think they can get there by going Northern Illinois win, Holy Cross win, at Louisville, maybe a win, Virginia at home a win, at Army, maybe a win. So those are two half wins. At Georgia Tech's probably a half win, five wins, UConn six wins. They could be at the six by UConn, in my opinion. Take over five and a half wins with Boston College for 1.5 stars. You're going to need a bigger boat. All right, I already played another one that I like even more, reserved for premium subscribers or anybody that gets our football package. You can get these before some of these lines move. Let's move into a little UFC on ESPN. Jarzino Rosenstrike versus Jailton Almeida. And this can be a fantastic event. Now, Jailton Almeida is minus 500 against Jarzino. And I liked Jarzino for a while, but the dude's been really, really getting, excuse me, getting lazy, biggie boy. He's pretty much at mass weight, 265, right? Um, lost to Alexander Volkov, and he just got knocked out by Volkov, and that's a that's a fine loss. But he lost bad to Curtis Blades. I actually kind of thought he was a little lazy that fight because he just danced around really and didn't attack. Same thing with the Serial Gone fight. Now Serial Gone was a little overhyped coming in, as you've seen how he really lost to John Jones, but. Not that Gon was bad. It's just Jones is awesome, but still, Gon, he looks scared that whole fight. Uh, then he has some great wins, though. Alistair Overeem KO'd him late. Uh, Junior Dos Santos in 2020 KO. Augusto Sakai, who's halfway decent, he KO'd Sakai. Sakai kind of came from nowhere. And then he won his last fight against Chris Dawkins. Now, one thing about Giorgino is he's got great stand up. Okay, he's not wrestling anybody. Jailton Armadia is probably going to try to wrestle him, but here's the problem with Jailton. He's 232 pounds. He might beef up a little more, but Giorgino should have at least 20 pounds on him. That makes a difference when you're fighting. It's hard to get guys down if that's the question. You know, Giorgino's never been subbed. He's good at getting to the cage. He's got the weight. You know, maybe he does spend some time on his back because Jailton's just such a good wrestler. 2.24 submissions per uh, average. His takedown average is 6.73. That's probably where he's going to go, and Biggie Boy's going to know that. But, man, this is a massive number. And there's one thing about Jailton Almeida that makes me look towards Biggie Boy again, which I have lost a little bit on Biggie Boy in the past, is the fact that he isn't fighting anybody. You know, Shamil Abdurakimov, that is not a good win. You know, he, he's a terrible fighter. That was his last fight. Parker Porter a couple fights ago. Parker Porter was almost out of the UFC just one last week. But geez, man, you know, Parker Porter is nothing really to worry about either. Uh, Danilo Marquez, Marquez is okay, but... Enough, definitely not anybody on top. Marquez went to the UFC and did okay, but then he, when he stepped up in competition against Kenny Nuchukwu, he lost. I, I just don't see any big wins. I don't see any guys that Jargino has fought. I don't see any Derek Lewis's. I don't see Volkovs. I don't see Blades in there, John Jones, Serial Gons, uh, Francis Naganus, Andrei Arlovskis. I don't see anybody in there that he's fought and he's this minus 500 favorite i'm probably going to put a half unit here something low on giorgino just because i think giorgino has a shot to knock this guy out if he can stay off his back 
but it's going to be a small unit for me just by the way Jarzino has kind of seemed to fade. Maybe he's just there for a check now. He's 35 years old. He's probably not going to get another fight chance uh, for a uh, another title fight opportunity. So that's always concerning. But I think it's worth the half a unit just because this Jailton has absolutely uh, no big names to him yet. And he's laying minus 500. I think more than 25% of the chance you're going to win this. And that would be the price of 300 minus or plus 300, right? You'd have to take plus 300 if you think there's a 25% chance or better that he's going to win. And he's sitting there at plus uh, 350 plus 375 in some books maybe you can find a plus 400 so we're gonna go for a half unit on Giorgino the next fight's the one I like the most here right now and that's Anthony Smith versus Johnny Walker and Anthony Smith is a fantastic fighter and his last fight against Magomed Ankalaev who pretty much has proven how dang good he is right just drew with uh Jean Blakovich right uh I think that he was hindered in that fight. He broke his leg. He broke his ankle in that fight and had to try to cover it up. Now, this was back in July of 2022, so you're sitting here 10 months later, plenty of time for that to heal up. You know, Before that, he beat guys like Ryan Spahn, Jimmy Crute, Devin Clark, right? He lost to Ratchich, okay. He lost to Glover, who's a fantastic fighter and a great wrestler, and Glover Teixeira, former champ twice over. He beat Vulcan Uzdemir. You know, Anthony Smith's a badass. And Johnny Walker is a tipsy dude. He has a bad jaw. Getting knocked out by Jamahal Hill in one punch. Uh, lost to Tiago Santos. You know, got knocked out by Corey Anderson back in 2019. Nikita Krylov beat him too. You know, he's just overhyped. He did get that Eon Contabella win in 2022, which was a rear naked choke. I thought that was a little bit lucky. And uh, Kudabella is just kind of a hothead. He just won a fight against uh, Tanner Bozer. So I think he um, got a little too much street cred for that. Uh, then he beat Paul Craig, who literally has zero stand-up whatsoever. And now he's a little bit overhyped for Anthony Smith. You can get Anthony Smith at minus 105, minus 107 right now. Anthony, much better strength of record. Both fighters pretty even in significant strikes. Three for Smith to 3.38 for... Uh, Walker, as far as uh, grappling, you have Anthony Smith, about 0.44 takedowns per minute, 0.41 for Johnny Walker. Everything's pretty even when it comes to this, but if you look at the strength of schedule, it definitely uh, favors Anthony Smith. And this is just another situation where a guy has fought everybody, only age 34, right, when Johnny Walker has really not fought everybody yet in this division. He hasn't beaten people much past Ryan Spahn, I guess. Smith has uh, 50, 53 fights total. Johnny Walker has 27. I just think Rocker with his jaw and how easily he can be knocked out. Fighting against a really top-class kind of guy like Anthony Smith is going to give him a lot more fit. So I think he's riding a little too high from the Eon and the Paul Craig wins. We're going to go with uh, Anthony Smith for two stars. All right, a couple more fights I'm looking at is this Ian Gary, who's kind of the next big Irish thing in the UFC. He's a big tall guy for his weight class here at the welterweight. You know, being 6'3", and Daniel Rodriguez is uh, 6'1". So it's an interesting fight. Both really love to strike. Rodriguez is a great striker, and he has another massive strength of schedule over Ian Gary. Now, the thing I don't love about Rodriguez is I really didn't like his last uh, fight against Neil Mangi. I thought that it was just a really bad showing for him. And I'm not that big of a Neil Mangi kind of guy. And, you know, um, you know, maybe, maybe Mangi's better than I think. He just lost to Gilbert Burns recently in a triangle choke in the first round. But, um, you know, I, I definitely know that Ian Gary is a little bit overhyped. He's young, 25 years old, kind of come in with a lot of hype. So uh, Daniel Rodriguez is the only play in this situation, in my opinion. I wouldn't even put Gary in a parlay, but I'm just not quite there yet. I'm going to get some more opinions and take a look at a few 
more of their recent fights. I did like the fact that Rodriguez did beat uh, Jing Liang Li. Uh, Liang's pretty a, a pretty good fighter, and uh, I was I was somewhat impressed by uh, Daniel Rodriguez's performance at least back in September of 2022. I just didn't like his performance against Neil Mangi. The question for really Gary is: uh, Is he going to wrestle much? Is he going to attempt to wrestle much? Gary does have one submission. Uh, believe it or not, Rodriguez has four submissions himself. So we're going to lean towards Rodriguez in this situation. Uh, Carlos Ulberg versus Ihor uh, Poteria. Ihor, 20-3, and three, right, in his professional fighting career. You think he's good? I mean, this is all like bare-knuckle boxing type stuff. He is not <laughs> worth, the, worth the money here. And I, I saw him lose... Uh, a year ago or so at, at UFC 277. He's a good puncher, but he should be outclassed by Ulberg, who's a professional kickboxer. You know, five KOs, two decisions. He did lose by KO, though, back against Kennedy Nechukwu back in 2021. But Nechukwu was a, just a badass. I mean, it's going to be a fun fight here. I will say that. Uh, the under in this fight is ridiculously low. Actually, it's not even that bad. Under one and a half at minus 140. That's not a bad look right there. If, if you're thinking about Ulberg and not laying that juice, you can bet this fight gets finished pretty quick under one and a half minus 140. Very good chance you see lots and lots of damage happening in the first and uh, the beginning of the second round. All right, my friends. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you have any questions for the oddsbreakers of any of the fights coming up, any of the games, whether it be MLB, NBA, we're having a fantastic year in the NBA right now, 16 and 7, up 8 units. I don't start betting the NBA until playoffs. 51, 35, and 1, up 13 units in Major League Baseball. Love to help you out or at least give it a shot and see if I can give you any good advice in your next plays that you are looking at. Have a great rest of your week and go get some winners.